Talk Real Estate with Sharon McNamara, sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate Services. Hi, I'm Sharon McNamara, and you are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable. Let me share a little bit about my background before we get started. I am the broker owner of Boston Connect Real Estate, a boutique real estate firm that is home to over 30 real estate sales and marketing consultants who service home buyers and home sellers throughout Boston, the South Shore, the South Coast, and Cape Cod. Our firm takes pride in assisting our clients in the next chapter of their lives by taking a holistic approach to their real estate endeavors. We believe that every move should be a moving experience. Every week, my real estate team member, Mary Baker, and I, along with the director of Boston Connect Real Estate, Melissa Wallace, provide you with our unique marketing approach to selling homes and share with you our expertise in navigating the home buying process. We like to mix it up sometimes, so not only will you hear our perspective on real estate topics, but you will hear the expert thoughts and opinions of some of our real estate agents at Boston Connect Real Estate and the preferred professionals that we trust. Be part of our roundtable. If you have any questions during the show, please call 781-837-4900. We'd love to talk real estate. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and wherever you listen to podcasts at Talk Real Estate Roundtable. If you would like a one-on-one consultation with me and my team or one of the dedicated agents at Boston Connect Real Estate to discuss your real estate needs, you can connect with us at bostonconnect.com or 781-826-8000. Now, sit back, relax, take good notes, and let's talk real estate. And good morning to all my South Shore neighbors. This is Sharon McNamara. You are, of course, listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable. I am live in the studio with the one and only Tim. Hello, Tim. Hello. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning. I've seen you like twice in this, like last month, like in person. This is is terrific. You need to come in more often. I I feel like I should, actually. I like like being with you, and uh, I love being at WATD. And uh, there's another person that I really, really enjoy uh, having at the studio um, at the studio too her name is Christine James you are really my favorite like I don't even have to butter you up you are my favorite (laughs) thank you very much thank you here, please accept that $50 bill. On yeah, this. I know. <laughs> I just, I listen to your voice when I listen to the news. And when I, even when I'm having conversations with you, you like, you know, do you ever talk to people on this characteristics of every person I talk to that mm-hmm. I say, I wish I had a little more of that. You have a lot of that, that I wish I had a little more of just like that calm, like approach yeah. and very. Oh, thank you. My husband wouldn't agree with you, <laughs> but no, yeah. most well, of the time. Well, if there's any characters I have that maybe you would like, my husband would disagree with you as well too. So don't worry about that. Um, uh, but we do have Christine James here. Everybody on WATDs. Yeah, everyone here knows you. You are the queen of the news here. You've gotten numerous awards. And Head news diva. Yes. I <laughs> Thank didn't you, know Tim. You, yeah, he said that in a text to me this morning. Uh, many awards and, um, you know, just for all your newscasting and everything. So uh, great job. And uh, I am delighted that I can just text you anytime I want. Absolutely. But you know what? You know why I felt that I had to be here today when you asked me? Because in the middle of the pandemic, I just happened to mention casually on the air that I was getting a little nervous about my supply of good toilet paper. Not the, <laughs> not the stuff they were selling made in Serbia that you were wondering if there were like chunks of wood in it. But if they're the real stuff, you know, the triple quilted northern and you were kind enough to text me and said, I have a big case of it in my basement. 
I'll leave it by the front door. And I'm thinking, your your basement must be like Costco. It but really it, was. <laughs> that was so nice. So I, I'm I, forever in your debt. You're <laughs> obedient servant here. Thank you. Yeah, I was really sort of paranoid. That was the only thing I was paranoid about, really. I was just, you know, I'm not a woodsy type person, so the thought of having to use leaves was more than I could handle. <laughs> <laughs> now that, so. And now that we're off to a terrific start, well, I was glad to sit in with you yes. today because you've got something important that Very you want to bring as much information as possible mm -hmm. to everybody who's listening about something that you are passionate about. Yes, absolutely. And that's why I called in the big gun, so to speak, today, because um, I do take this so seriously and I am very passionate about it. Um, I am was asked to be on part of the um, Pembroke Public Safety Committee, uh, Building Committee, um, and we have some guests with us today to help us, you know, explain what's going on and how we're going to be voting and why we have to go to town hall and all those things. And we had another committee, and I believe it was in 2016, 17. I was on that committee as well. Mm -hmm. And when I was on that committee, I learned so much about just what, what our first responders do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And when I understood fully what they were working in and the conditions that they had, I was sort of horrified and embarrassed as a community member that I didn't know. And mm -hmm. um, for some reason or another, that committee sort of faded off and then a new one was formed and our former chief, um, Ken McCormick, uh, reached out to me and asked me, you know, if I would apply to be on that committee and I did and I was brought on with a bunch of very, very smart people, They're all engineers and everything. I was like, I'm not even sure why they want me here, but here I am. Mm -hmm. um, and very, very passionate about it because now I'm learning even more and more and more about their conditions. Uh, I'm going to fast forward a little bit or maybe go backwards. I was also just recently asked to be on the master plan committee. And this is when I sort of went into full drive. In 2002, Pembroke did a master plan. And then 20 years ago, it said that the police and fire department were under capacity and hazardous. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to let our guests sort of talk more about all of that. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. That's great. And let me tell you who are starting our front line. His, yes. Let's start with uh, Sheriff Plymouth County Sheriff Joe McDonald. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you uh, for having me, really, Sharon and Christine both. I and, appreciate it. Oh, glad to have you here. Two days in a row. This is, uh, this is <laughs> great. We also have the Pembroke Fire Chief, Jason Viveros. Thanks for joining us. Thank, thank you for having me. And from the Police Department, the Deputy Chief, Wendy LaPierre. Good morning, and thank you. Oh, glad everybody could be here. I think what would really help for people, it seems like this is kind of inside baseball for us because we talk about issues like this all the time, but as you as you know, it's getting to be a vote that's going to happen at town meeting to pass this proposed public safety building. Mm -hmm. So, and no matter how much you push this or talk about it, there will be a number of people that will probably say, this is the first time hearing about this, or I don't quite understand. That's just human nature. Mm -hmm. So just so we know what everybody's talking about, I think it's good to define, and if, folks, if I make a mistake on this, tell me. It's a 43,000 square foot police and fire station at the intersection of Barker and Washington Street, which is Route 14 and 53, for those of you who are driving down those roads, and a fire substation to be built at Monroe and School Streets. Is That's that correct? correct? Okay. Uh, right now, the cost, $61 million, and that includes a million dollars 
to relocate the Turner House to the corner of the current property. Is that correct? That's All absolutely right. correct. All right, so that's, um, and it needs two-thirds approval at town meeting, and that's on Tuesday mm-hmm. night. Um, Chief Viveros, you and I spoke about this before, about why this was so needed. Now, I'm just speaking anecdotally because I'm not an expert. I've been in, all, I've been in the stations. Mm-hmm. Those things were antiquated in the late 90s. And I can't believe that it's taken this long to still get to this issue. Mm-hmm. The station was built. We operate mainly out of the station on Center Street. Um, all of our full-time staff is there, and that's where we respond to calls from on a daily basis. It was built at a time um, when the fire department was very different. We had less than half the staff, and we were responding to a quarter of the calls that we do today. Um, it certainly wasn't built to, for the mission we have now. Mm-hmm. And... Um, outgrowing the station is just one of the one of the problems with it you know mm-hmm. there have been um as we've talked about at various public forums we have structural problems with the building we have water and mold issues asbestos issues we we're, we're just not able to adequately carry out our mission with the station we have right now and don't they have too with with the different kinds of things that are burning in the fires with chemicals you need special areas to be able to I don't know if the word is decontaminate or clean your equipment and the the heavy clothing that you wear. Do you have space to do that? So um, occupational cancer is a a big problem in the fire department. Um, The rates of cancer are much higher than any other occupation. Um, And it's because of the environment we're in and we're coming out of fires with those carcinogens on our gear. And um, in the current station, our gear is um, in the apparatus bay. But the only place we have to wash it, we have to carry all that gear through our living quarters Mm -hmm. um, into a spot in the basement, through the training room, into a spot in the basement. It's just not, it it goes against everything we're being told to do to Mm -hmm. to protect our firefighters against occupational cancer. So again, I'm not an attorney, but you're looking at possibly even future liability from something like this if people get sick? That's only one area. Of, okay. I think I think the the the, op, the station where we're operating out of right now, there's several areas of potential liability, mm-hmm. and that's that's certainly one of them. Okay. And a deputy police chief, Wendy Lapierre, the police station always amazed me. But even back in the '90s, I did one of those citizens academies there. How small, confined, con- cramped, and even then you guys were bursting at the seams. That's correct. Um, so our police department was built in 1978. And we had less than 20 officers at the time. Today, we have 32 full-time officers, 18 part-time, six matrons, six civilian uh, traffic unit. And we do have civilians that work in the station as well. And what kind of problems do you run into with, like, maybe when people who shouldn't be seeing each other or near each other, if, the, if a big event happens or some, whether it's domestic, whether it's a criminal thing, and there seems like there's not enough separation in that, in that building. So, yeah. If we have arrestees, um, the law states that they have to be sound and sight proof mm-hmm. uh, from juveniles. So if we have a juvenile in the station and an adult, uh, we're not in compliance with that. Um, the men and women should be separated um, by more than a door. Mm-hmm. Um, also, things have changed over the past 20 years. Um, people come to us for many reasons, um, the mental health, um, substance use, and they come into our station and they're confined to our lobby. Mm -hmm. That's the only place that we really have to talk to people. And there's people coming in and out, whether it's dropping off um, prescription drugs or coming in to report another crime. And I just don't feel that they have the um, privacy that they need Mm -hmm. when they have such a delicate issue. 
And, you know, it's interesting, I was thinking back to when you said that with your lobby, which was cramped to begin with, when we were doing that Citizens Academy, which was back in 1999, uh, when we were coming out of there one night, uh, a young mother was in the lobby, and I guess there had been some kind of an incident in the home, and she brought her two little kids, and I'll never forget, her son was so cute, he's about four years old, he's got, you know, the combed wet hair, he's got his bathrobe on, he was very bewildered, he was very upset, he was with his mother, and she was talking to a very kind officer in the lobby about what had happened, but I thought, here we are in our class, that's the way we were getting out of what was happening, and I thought, even then, they need a separate area, or they need a bigger space, just to be able to do the basic part of their job, and because... And just from my, again, I'm just speaking anecdotally because I'm not a police officer, but covering that beat for over 30 years, listening to the scanners, covering stories, a lot of what you folks do, you're like frontline social workers, and it's it's mm-hmm. tough to, to deal with that stuff. So there, th- there's got to be more more room there. I don't live in Pembroke, but I'm, I'm, I'm advocating for this. Sheriff Mc- Joe McDonald, you deal with all the towns in Plymouth County, and you're always looking at things that work well, public safety, how things work. What's your intake on or input on what's happening in Pembroke with these two buildings? Well, you know, I was um, just a little bit about myself, as you correctly point out. I was 10 years an assistant DA, and I'm in my 19th year now as the sheriff. So I've been around a long time, and I've been in a lot of correctional facilities, a lot of police stations, uh, a good number of fire stations. And I will say, having been to uh, throughout the Commonwealth and, and out of state even, but uh, the town of Pembroke, and it's no reflection on the men and women that work there because they do an outstanding job. Uh, I think, uh, what was it, 78, Wendy, you said the state? Yeah, I think Barney Miller was chief and Andy Griffith was the sheriff. Yeah, and it was a different world. It, right. was, a real, it was a very, very different world. But let me say this. You know, I look at this with an eye toward safety and security because as the sheriff, my primary mission, as people know, you know, we've got deputy sheriffs that are out throughout the county, but I house uh, inmates, and my job is to keep them safe uh, from uh, environmental threats as well as each other, uh, and and to make sure that that area is secure so that they're not getting out when they shouldn't, and no one's getting in that shouldn't get in. So when I look, we'll just start, let's look at the fire station first. Now, I've been in and out of the fire station on many occasions. I haven't spent a lot of time there. But uh, I will say this, Chief, your guys do a great job of keeping those uh, defects and problems out of sight when people are in or out of there. And that's, that's a good thing on the one hand, but I think it's a bad thing because people may walk in and say, geez, the station looks halfway decent. Mm-hmm. The problem is, you know, you look around and you see the infrastructure problems within the building itself. You know, it's not set to fall down, but I think people are set to get sick or, or worse. You know, you look at... Um, problems with the electrical wiring system and water that's getting in where it shouldn't be getting in and you know things can happen people can get electrocuted or standing water can give rise to uh, bacterial or fungal infections that are in there you know legionnaires disease those types of things i mean who you, you don't think about these no, things I, by the not until you mention that but yes yeah but these are the things that i have to think about because i am maintaining living quarters for a lot of people so let me let me just suffice it to say this that if I were housing inmates under the conditions that our firefighters in the town of Pembroke are working under, I would be I'd lose my accreditation first, and secondly, I would be sued by the ACLU and and probably uh, a number of other uh, governmental institutions as well, and I would lose that lawsuit because those conditions would be characterized as inhumane. Mm-hmm. You know, let's face it; I think that's the, really the only way that I can characterize that because let's remember 
firefighters don't just work there. They spend most of their time. They actually live there. So mm -hmm. this is something that I think needs attention. Turning to the, the police station, it's, it's a nice look. I mean, it might be good on Martha's Vineyard or Nantucket, right? Uh, where you don't want, they don't have a correctional facility on Nantucket, and the correctional facility they have on the vineyard, you drive past it and not even know that it's not a house. You know, and that's quaint, and that's the way that they want it there. But in a town like Pembroke, uh, or any of our towns here in Plymouth County, we, we need to do a lot more with that facility than it is capable of doing. Sally ports. When, when, people, when people first come into our custody at the jail, and thank God, you know, we're, we've got a safe key program. If the town of Pembroke has an arrest, we're standing by to help with that. But when someone is transported to us, either by a local police department or by our guys, they drive into a, what's known as a sally port. It's basically a secure outbuilding garage that's connected to the facility. So all the doors close before any of the doors of the vehicle open. So no one's getting out. No one's getting in. That person's coming right in. There's no obstructions. And I know the sally ports... Uh, be out of necessity that they have at uh, Pembroke, I look at them and they're not safe. There's items that are stored there out of necessity. They, there's nothing else they can do. And it's only by the grace of God and the good work of, of our public safety professionals that nothing bad has happened yet. So I think if I were to try to sum it up in one statement, what, what I would say is when the voters in the town of Pembroke are considering or contemplating the cost of doing this modification, these new buildings, I think it is far outweighed by the cost of not doing it. So right now, what it, you know, the old saying, you're skating on thin ice. Mm -hmm. I think we're skating on thin ice, and we need to update those facilities, not just for great working conditions for our workers, which they deserve, but for the safety of the public that's coming in mm -hmm. or those individuals taken into custody for whatever reason. So I cannot overstate the importance not just to the town of Pembroke, but to everybody that passes through Pembroke. And I spend a lot of time there myself. So let's uh, let's see if we can get this done. That's great. That's uh, Sheriff Joe McDonald, who's just been speaking about the issue we're talking about today, this new proposed public safety building in Pembroke. We also have the Pembroke Fire Chief here, Jason Viveros, as well as Wendy LaPierre, who's the Deputy Police Chief in Pembroke. If you're wondering what you're listening to, well, it's Talk Real Estate with Sha Sharon McNamara. Mm -hmm. I'm not Sharon. Sharon's next to me. Okay. And this is another type of real estate we're talking about, something that's near and dear to her heart because her business is based in Pembroke, mm -hmm. Boston Connect Realty. Yeah. And you, you live in Pembroke. You are very passionate about this issue, Sharon. I really am. And you know, it's interesting because I, I've lived in town for 30 years and um, I've been on many boards. Actually, my whole, I'll say career um, of volunteering um, actually started because I was the Secretary of Conservation 22 years ago. So I was able to, you know, get to meet people and things like that. And then when I went into real estate, I, I didn't do that anymore, but I really wanted to be part of the community. And to me, you know, my parents owned the corner store in Dorchester. Social media at that time was hanging out on the corner right? Yeah. <laughs> I saw you had some beef jerky in your purse there. Exactly. Some Slim Jims. Exactly, exactly. Um, so for me, being part of community, it, you know, it's really, really important to me. And you know, with my career as, you know, I own Boston Connect Real Estate and, you know, I've been a real estate agent for over 20 somewhat years. And I always have to, when I sell a house, I have to meet with the fire department because we have to get that final smoke cert. So over the years, you get to know everybody and, you know, you'd have these little conversations. So it just really got me involved. Um, but I will say, you know, some of the things, you know, that we were just discussing, um, it, 
the things that concerned me the most were one is we don't have any female firefighters and um i'm not even one of those like hear me roar type women you know what i mean but like Mm -hmm. we don't have any and when i was talking uh to the chief about it it's you know we're in a position now where there's not as many people going into the field so it's the roles have turned so now it's almost like people who do want to be emts and firefighters they are interviewing where they're going so do i want to work here do i see myself here and when you walk into a fire station one that has the conditions that it has but two it doesn't have any female locker rooms or separate Mm -hmm. facilities Mm -hmm. for women why would anyone ever want to work there as a woman, right? Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I, so many people don't know about that. And then um, I've had the opportunity to be with Wendy a lot too. And we went to Mansfield and we, because um, the architects that we're using did uh, Mansfield and we walked through the woman's locker room and she's like, oh my God, they have like a, like a nursing station, right? For, mm-hmm. for, for, for mothers who have to still nurse, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nursing and pumping and things like that. They didn't have one, right, Wendy? You didn't. You're up in the attic, correct? Correct. And uh, when I first got on, we didn't have a locker room for probably four or five years. We had just a um, one stall bathroom down on the main level. And that's all you have is one bathroom in the whole building. Uh, we have one as well in the locker room. In the locker room yes. upstairs that that they just built. So you know they would go to scenes, and I'm assuming that you're sometimes coming back with blood and things or whatever. That, what did you had to go home? So that's I don't know. I'm just I think that they deserve it. I, I worry about morale. I don't know how they've done such a wonderful job of keeping the morale up. Um, I had one of um, Hill, I think it was that Captain you said. Hill. Captain Hill stopped by my house this morning with a bunch of signs, and he was so polite, courteous, and in a good mood. And I thought, if I had to work in those facilities, I don't know that I would be. That's true. Mm-hmm. They they deal with uh, our first responders. As I said, deal with a lot. I'm just speaking anecdotally, being a reporter, having covered some so much of this over the years. What always amazes me is how calm, cool, and collected you folks all, always are. Because uh, I think that would I think that would be tough. You know, not only saying things that could be emotionally depressing Mm -hmm. it's tough to deal with and you know you you're going to be that steady calm presence in an emergency situation but that's got to that's got to get to you at at some point and it's hard to compartmentalize that at least i think it would it would be for me i have a little more freedom in in the newsroom you know if we get angry sometimes there's a lot of yelling that goes on in this building but that's 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 (laughs) and you can go into a soundproof room (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's pretty accurate but what i would like to do is like to take a a quick break now and when we come Mm -hmm. back let's talk about the nuts and bolts let's talk about how much it's going to cost what it would (laughs) cost the average homeowner and a little bit about what the objections are and let's work through that Mm -hmm. but you're listening to talk uh real estate with sharon mcnamara i'm christine james we'll be back right after this Let's Talk Real Estate with Sharon McNamara, broker and owner of Boston Connect Real Estate. People often wonder if wintertime is a good time to sell a home. What do you think about that, Sharon? Well, Mary, we've found that our seller clients have been very successful in selling their homes during the winter months, and generally for the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time. It's probably because there's less inventory on the market in the winter months. You're much better off to be one of less inventory than one of more. In our team's experience, it really isn't about the season at all. Sellers and buyers are 
are always out there looking for each other, and it's our job to connect them, and that's what we do. It's easy to connect with Sharon and Mary at bostonconnect.com or call 781-294-4848. That's 781-294-4848. Let's face it. We all get to the point in our lives when our current home no longer suits our everyday needs. With ever-changing living dynamics, addressing your future is all about right-sizing. You know, finding the right-size home for you right now. Are you having difficulty with navigating multiple levels in your home? Are you finding that yard work is taking up all of your free time? Do the home maintenance projects seem never-ending? Let us help you find the right size for you right now. I'm Shara McNamara, the broker owner of Boston Connect Real Estate. If you would like a one-on-one consultation with me and my team or one of the dedicated agents at Boston Connect Real Estate to discuss your real estate needs, you can connect with us at bostonconnect.com or 781-826-8000. Let's talk real estate with Sharon McNamara, broker and owner of Boston Connect Real Estate. People often wonder if wintertime is a good time to buy a home. What do you think, Mary? Sharon, here's what we found with our past buyer clients. While it's true there is less inventory on the market in the winter months, that also means that there's less competition for our buyers. And sellers tend to be highly motivated. That gives our buyers more negotiating power. In our team's experience, it really isn't about the seasons at all. Sellers and buyers are always looking for each other, and it's our job to connect them. And that's what we do. It's easy to connect with Sharon and Mary at bostonconnect.com or call 781-294-4848. That's 781-294-4848. We now return to Talk Real Estate, sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate Services on 95.9 WATD. And we're back. Again, I'm not Sharon McNamara. I'm Christine James from the News Department, sitting in with Sharon today at Talk Real Estate. As we said, a different kind of real estate. We are talking about a proposed 43,000 square foot police and fire station uh, proposed for the town of Pembroke at the intersection of Barker and Washington, which is Fort, Routes 14 and 53, with a fire substation to be built at Monroe and School Streets. We've been talking with our panel of experts here. We've got Plymouth County Sheriff Joe McDonald. Thanks. Welcome back. Thank you. We've got the Pembroke Fire Chief, Jason Viveros. Glad you could stick around. Thank you. And we've got the Deputy Police Chief, and that's Wendy LaPierre, all putting in their uh, perspectives on how important this project would be. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And, of course, uh, the person behind all this, mm-hmm. and that's Sharon McNamara. You good morning. Ver- good morning. We're very, very passionate about this. It's interesting if people could see, if you're not on Facebook, that you've got like 15 things going on at the same time. I know. I, as I think of things, I just like to write them that's down. That's great. It keeps my ADD in place, but I'm just putting some important things in front of you so you know some of the things, too, that we should discuss. <laughs> a- abs- absolutely. Well, the thing is, you know, anybody who lives in the town who have to, who would have to vote for this, and it needs a two-thirds vote, first at town meeting and then at the election, let's talk a little bit about what that actually would cost the average homeowner, and then we're going to take some phone calls. So does anybody have the numbers for me? Sharon, how much would it cost the average homeowner? Oh, I just put everything oh. in front of Jason. Yes. Okay. So, so the total project budget is $61,140,000. Mm-hmm. And um, it's on the average home, it comes out to roughly $500 per year. And I think that one of the things that we've... Um, we need to get out to the taxpayers. There is some debt coming off. Um, the town man- manager estimates that debt to be about $183 per household that will help to offset mm-hmm. that expense. Now, is that, a, is, that a, is that an override or is that a debt exclusion override, meaning it would come off after, like, tw- what, 20 years? Debt Something exclusion. Like that? 
Okay. Th- that's what we're going for. Is, okay. That's it what we're going, yeah, we're okay. going for a debt exclusion. Would it be like um, 10 years, 20 years, something like that? Um, I think I, I think it depends how they end up financing okay. it um, mm-hmm. in the end. But um, once it's paid off, it's, it's a, it will come off your taxes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So what would when you talk about response time and you talk about all these conditions that are not great and are like barely human in, in the stations... What does that matter to the typical resident in the town of Pembroke? Has this has this ever caused a problem where because of what you have to deal with that you haven't been able to f- treat someone as best as you uh, can? Has that has that affected? Give so, me something. So I, I think an the res- response. One of the big benefits of this project is it's going to help the response times throughout the town. Right now, we have a high percentage of our call volume comes from the northern part of the town, mm-hmm. and, and it takes us a long time to get up there. And um, the same thing, if we were just to build one station towards the northern part of the town, it would have a, a detrimental effect on the, the southern part. So, with this project and having a substation on 27 and Monroe Street, it'll help to bring the entire town town now will be under seven minutes and the majority of the town will be under five minutes and it'll put us in within the nationally accepted standards and you know it really will help to save lives when we can get to a to someone um in that in those time frames it makes a big difference whether we're talking about a cardiac arrest or where the percentage of survival drops off every every minute or in a fire where it doubles and could potentially double in size every minute so to bring those people right now who are not really being serviced by the fire department and to be able to bring them into those nationally accepted response times is very important and it's interesting after after having been here for over 30 years i've seen how your department's fire departments all across the state have changed. When I first started here, I would say 70% of your calls were probably fires, 30% medical. That's flipped. And it's much more much more medical now. And you guys have uh, do so much more uh, complicated and advanced life care. So absolutely, 75% oh, of, our, okay. of our calls are um, EMS related. And the role of EMS changes, it, mm-hmm. it consistently, it constantly changes and it's becoming more and more expanded all the time. So it's something that we expect that will continue to change. Um, one of the things in these new stations we talk, we've been, you know, community paramedicine and how that's going to change. We have treatment rooms now that will be in these, in each of these stations. Mm-hmm. And we don't know where that's going to go in the future, but I, I foresee that the role of EMS will continue to grow. And Wendy uh, LaPierre, the deputy police chief in town, we talked a little bit before about what's lacking in that station. Has that affected the ability of your of you and your officers to do your job and, and cost precious time? It has. Um, most recently, we did interviews for patrol officers um, on Thursday, and we didn't have the room in our department to do it, so we had to do them at the town hall because essentially we needed two rooms because we were giving... Uh, interviews upstairs, and then they had a writing assignment downstairs, so we couldn't um, we couldn't have the interviews at our department. So that's got that's got to be frustrating. Mm-hmm. Now, Sharon, you brought up a couple of good points too mm-hmm. when we're talking about um, about response time and things like that. One other piece of the puzzle here has been the historic component of it. Maybe you could explain a little bit about the Turner House and what the issue was or is. You might you might second guess that you want me to talk about it. Um, <laughs> you know, and I will bring this to light because this is what I want this to be about too. And I, I am going to give the phone number to uh, 781-837-4900 if you have any questions about this or objections. We'd love to answer those. And that's why, you know, we have this platform to do it. And uh, the chiefs, uh, they've been doing such a great job and you know the sheriff and tim cruz you know doing all these forums but yet i called someone this morning my niece who lives on center street and i said hey are you for or against you know the new public safety building she goes i don't know what you're talking about 
See what I told you? You, I, you have to, you have to over, like oversell it. Yeah, because I, people have so many things competing for their attention. They, so. Uh, yeah, so they don't know, and I think that's one demographic, which is school age children, parents, and then I think maybe there's another demographic. I mean, they've done a really good job, and I'm sidetracking from your initial question, but they've done a great job. They went to the Council on Aging. They did Delman's. Uh, little group that they have so they've done that but then I know we have been getting people who have called and they just don't know and one of the bigger hurdles we had to get over was that people felt like this snuck up on them do you agree Jason absolutely the committee had been working for almost two years on it there had been a committee but people really they don't pay attention to what a committee does you know when unless information is being brought forward exactly and you know, we didn't have much to bring to anybody at the time because of the Turner House. So the Turner House basically sits, um, if you were looking at the new proposed building, and we do have this, um, it's on the Pembroke uh, website, um, a Pembroke Town Hall website, you just go to the public safety building and all, everything is there. Uh, and then I can post some other things on Pembroke Connect. But if you look at where the building is, I guess, from Washington Street, it's sort of the back right corner corner is of the facility itself is where the Turner house sits so it can't be there now people keep on asking questions about well why don't you just you know move it here a lot of people just say tear it down um, but it just isn't that easy for us to move the building because they have requirements about how far back the building has to be for the trucks for the fire trucks and turnarounds and things like that so it isn't very easy when you have this much space to try to make it work when something is basically almost in the middle of it so we started with the history now this land was purchased do you remember what year that was jason I don't remember what year, but it was purchased with the purpose for the purpose of building a public safety complex yes. or fire station, at least at that time. It was a fire station at that time, and I want to say it was probably eight to ten years ago that that was at town meeting. I can't remember the date on that. We bought that land for that purpose, and now here sits the Turner House. And historical commission basically wouldn't allow us to tear it down in order to do what we did because they said that. Um, Turner. The, the turn. The, they they declared the structure to be historically significant. Yes. Um, you know, we made suggestions as well, like, is there another way that we could honor the building? Um, you know, there's been a lot of controversy around it because no one believes that... Who was it? What's his first name again? John Turner. John Turner, yeah. What's this guy's name? Um, so, John Turner. Um, there's seems to be some evidence that he never even lived in the property. Um, there's some that it's been moved at one time. So, we've been going through all these hurdles with Historical Commission. So, as much as the public may think that it snuck up on them and there's like some conspiracy theories that we were like just waiting in the background to do this. That is not true. It's historical commission meets once a month. So if they even meet once a month. So for us to get this information back and forth and all the meetings have to be public, it was, it took a long time. What I like to say is now last fall, um, I want to clarify something that I said at one of the selectmen meetings because the selectmen came, a select board came forward and said, they they didn't know anything about this like what where we were in this process now every meeting has been public um and we do have liaisons and for some reason or another that communication gap happened um but i do know i had said well i'm surprised that people didn't know more about it because we were ready with our article for the warrant in the fall 
we now that takes time to put that together. We were ready with our article, so that was written. The problem was is we were in purgatory with the Turner House, and we, we had nothing. We had basic, if any, conceptual designs. Like so, if we had gone to town meeting last fall. People would have said, well, come back to us when you have something, you know. So people are thinking that we tried to put the community center before the, this building, trying to sneak it in. That is not true. It's it's just that we weren't ready. The, the article was because that's just mm -hmm. ink on paper. We were not. The Turner House, um, ultimately, they gave us a concession because we had to ask for the concession to allow us to move it. Um, and we had to go back and forth several times with that, and um, we did. And we are only paying for the building to be moved. We are not paying for any type of renovation. We are not paying for anything like that. That is another misconception. And the other misconception, which worries me a little bit, is that people keep on saying, well, I'm for the public safety building, but I'm not going to vote yes because I don't want the Turner House. I don't want to give a million dollars to move the Turner House. Mm -hmm. We don't have a We don't have any other choice. That's a concession they gave to us. They allowed us to move it, so we will. And they wanted other things too. So we didn't. We didn't just you know lose the um, what is that the arm wrestling battle. <laughs> you know they wanted us to move every brick of the foundation, to move the whole foundation over with the beehive stoves and everything. And we said no. We'll give you a new foundation and we'll move the house onto that. Uh, they asked. They had twenty five things they wanted. And they wanted us to think of different places. And we said, no, because it would cost us more for a septic system. Will you be putting a ramp on it? No, there's no ramp on it now. So that's the deal with the Turner House. And we've come to a really good collaboration where we're going to move it. And I think the important thing about the Turner House is uh, th th there are people on the committee that may not have liked that decision. Um, but pushing back, you know, there are some that say, well, I'm not going to vote for it because of this Turner House issue or petition to have it torn down, which could take years and years and years. I think one of the things that the architects um, had said and we looked at was that the cost of building this building goes up, you know, more than 5% every single year. So right. if we if we take two years to try to petition to tear the Turner House down, we're looking at, at potentially a 10% increase on a $60 million project is far more than the concession of moving the building. Delaying this That's vote, right. yeah, delaying this vote is going to cost us far more than it costs to move the Turner House. And that was my next question. What will be the cost of not doing it? Right, we know every that, year. That, what do you think? Like, what, what do you think would a dollar figure every year? How much do you think that would add up? So we've heard estimates between five oh, and ten. You know, over ten percent every okay. every single year that we wait to do it. You, um, I think Bill Chenard, our town manager, did a great job mm -hmm. putting up a slide showing the cost of construction and how much they've mm -hmm. skyrocketed. But the interesting thing about his slide is he he did it over decades. It's never come down. The price only continues to go no, up. No, just like health insurance. Exactly. And it's interesting. And then during the pandemic, what did building supplies go up? 30, 40 mm -hmm. percent, yes. if you could find them. Uh, would, would any of the problems in either one of these stations, can that affect your accreditation in, in how you do your jobs? Can that can that affect the police department if you don't, if you don't have certain types of facilities? Absolutely. Um, as Sheriff McDonald spoke about, our lockup, is, we're, we're not in compliance. Um, mm -hmm. Every year we have to do things to make it better. We have suicide risks um, with the beds with the toilets with the sinks with the bars and um, we end up making concessions every year um, just to only fail mm -hmm. the following year 
Do they ever threaten to say, if you don't do X, Y, Z by a certain time? We have 21 days to fix anything that's... um, Because wasn't... I remember, wasn't there recently, like within the past six months, a pipe bursting in the building and a bunch of records that got either soggy or destroyed? Right. Um, So that was in the lockup, and um, we lost a lot of records down in the basement um, because we don't have um, Mm -hmm. rooms for our records. Right. And that was some of the stuff that had been happening here in Marshfield before they built the new police station, which was also in a very bad uh, state of affairs. And what a, what a difference it is now having that. And I know that they had problems with leaks there, too. You know, Christine, if I yeah, could just jump absolutely. in on the accreditation issue, I, I think the physical condition mm-hmm. of each of these facilities is essentially going to preclude any type of accreditation. So I think it really... Uh, as uh, the deputy chief says mm-hmm. accurately, you know they have concessions have to be made, and you know these accrediting agencies that come in to to you know the ACA for us, mm-hmm. uh, any any accrediting agency is going to come in and say, well, your physical plant is insufficient, and in some instances, and I hate to say this, dangerous, and I think that you know Wendy points out very very correctly. Suicide is always, always something that's on our minds. We have a program where we work with our local police departments. We don't want them, these arrestees, sitting for any length of time in really any of our police departments. But in, you know, in Pembroke, they've got these particular issues with the physical plant that should someone successfully commit suicide, that's, that's a multi-million dollar lawsuit right there. You know, mm-hmm. not just in a potential award, but in the defense of that, the money that's going to have to be spent, you know, to town council, you know, we, God forbid, these things happen, but they do, despite our best efforts. And even in our state-of-the-art facility down on Long Pond Road, we do have occasionally successful inmate suicides. And they are multi-million dollar lawsuits. Make no mistake about that. So I think the best way to characterize this is to say that, you know what, we can't get accredited unless and until we improve these facilities. And these lawsuits are, you know, knock on wood, I will knock. They haven't happened yet, but they're coming. And something bad will... I, I always hate to predict disaster, but mm-hmm. um, something bad can happen. And the expense of not doing this building is far exceeded or far exceeds the expense of doing these things. So I think you got to do it at some point. Do it now. The longer you wait, the more expensive it gets just in the materials and work uh, that has to be done. But if anything bad happens, you know, any of these disastrous events take place, you know, that that's going to compound and, you know, raise the cost of that project exponentially, not incrementally. Okay, and then, and Sharon, you bring up a very good point, and some of our listeners are always want to know, too, well, you know, why not just renovate what you have and, and take care of it that way? What do, you, what do you think about that, Chief Faveros? So I think we're beyond that point for a couple of reasons. One is, is space. The building just is not big enough to house our apparatus. It's not big enough for our administrative purposes. Um, As far, it's not ADA compliant. There's, you know, there's so many issues. There was a study done, you know, that was studied um, in 2017, I believe it was. Um, And it just was not feasible to be able to do that. To be able to upgrade these buildings, we'd have to bring them up to the modern code, the hurricane standard. I mean, I'm sorry, earthquake standards. And it's just, it's, it's not feasible to renovate our structure right now. I know in some towns they were looking at, say in Norwell, they were looking at renovating the town hall, which is an old elementary school, and the cost of renovation mm-hmm. would be more than actually building a new facility. Right. And, they would, and they would have to be dealing with all these problems. And that was just the estimate. And of course, Wendy, you were just talking about with the police department, you 
brought up a, a, a lot of things that were problematic. And I saw you nodding your head as the uh, fire chief here was speaking about why it just doesn't pay to renovate. No, I have to agree. Um, ADA compliance has been a huge issue. Um, if somebody walks up to the front door and they're handicapped, they can't open the front door. We don't have a button that automatically opens it. If we have an arrestee that's handicapped, we have no place to put them. Um, it's, it's just we, we would have to put in an elevator. Mm -hmm. We don't have the parking. Um, we have one handicapped parking space, um, which could be used at the town hall because we're adjacent to the town right. hall. Um, we have new vehicles that are a lot bigger than they were back in 1978, and we just um, oftentimes we end up parking at the town hall. Now, if this all goes through, if this project goes through with a new public safety building, what will happen to the old stations? So, uh, according to our town manager, ultimately what happens to, to buildings is up to town meeting. So, mm -hmm. But I think at this point, his um, recommendation would be to sell the station at 172 Center Street mm -hmm. um, and our station on Washington Street. We have a small substation on Route 27, which is currently almost completely utilized by our food pantry. And that they, they have a really important function in sure. town. Um, and I, I think the intention would be to allow them to, to utilize that building to its full potential for that purpose. Now, what about um, if people want to get behind this, they want to support it, they want to vote for it, they've got to do it twice. They've got to do it mm -hmm. at a town meeting. That's on Tuesday night, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. Yep, that's... Sorry. And you need it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's on Tuesday night uh, where have, we go to town meeting, and that is at 7 p.m. at the high school. So we need a two-thirds vote there, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so we need a two-thirds vote there. And, you know, I guess I'm just hopeful that I, I feel that we will be fine there. It's really getting people to the polls. And uh, so that will be Saturday the 13th where you have to go and vote. And, again, this isn't, a you know, Proposition 2.5 where it will stay forever. It is a dead exclusion so it will come off i'm actually doing a little did you know series on uh pembroke connect right now uh with different you know different items to okay. you know, so educate people no with the vote that's a two-thirds majority at town meeting but if when you go to the polls to pass it that's a simple majority doesn't have to be two-thirds again it's simple, okay yeah okay just so people just so people know if you've got call some callers out there with questions about this or want to chime in i love that chime you just played mm -hmm. 781-837-4900 is the number to call if you'd like to ask a question or maybe uh, give a comment keep it civil keep it friendly but mm -hmm. uh give us a call 781-837-4900 sharon what do you think the five takeaways are from this whole project i i think the description of what it is how much it will cost the typical homeowner, how the town's going to pay for it, and what you need to do to make it pass, and what the cost would be probably of not doing this now. And that's one of my concerns is, you know, the cost of not doing it now. And I've been saying we've been kicking this can down the road way too long. And, you know, there have been a couple meetings that we've had. Um, I will say, I like to say my Dorchester in me sometimes comes out, but um, I want our chiefs to stay calm. So I take on that responsibility, you know, but being in front of historical, you know, it's like, you know, just do you not want it in this location and everything and i feel like we're past that hurdle but you know that was one of the items that you know what would the value of that land be if we don't put it here because if we don't put it here and we don't have it here who would want to buy it probably mm -hmm. nobody because i'll tell you nobody wants to deal with the historical commission if they can, like in that capacity that they can't move it so um i think that that's really important to know and the longer we wait as we have been doing so if we had done this in 2020 when they did the master plan, 
then, you know, it would be a different story right now. But, you know, I want people to also understand whenever you're building something new, the overall cost to maintain these properties and things like that, think about it, we'll have new roofs, we'll have new mechanicals. You know, our our guys and girls and women, we they have done such a great job of putting a Band-Aid on a big open wound in my eyes. And, you know, and they just keep on going and going and going. And that's why I think... Some people are confused when they keep on saying just renovate it because they do do a good job of making the outside look okay. But you know what? Sometimes, you know, when you have a, have you ever like peeled potatoes for mashed potatoes, you know? Yes, I have. Sometimes they're rotten on the inside. It's true. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's what we have right now, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, I really am urging people and I'm really excited for people to come to town meeting because if you're for this or you're against this, let us know what your objections are because it's, it's about having our community whole. I never bring in what I do for, uh, on any of my committees, what I do for my career. I am a full-time real estate agent. I own a firm. And I have to say, these types of things are great for a town. Having the new community center is great for our town. We want people to want to be in Pembroke. I've been here for 30 years. I I know a real estate agent. I could have moved at any time. I chose to be here because I believe in this community and this town and the uh, first responders are just wonderful people. And other than what they're doing, like they're here today, but I want to let you know, anytime I have an event, it's always fun to bring in, you know, when people, mm-hmm. when little kids see, you know, the police officers and the fire, you know, the fire, pe- fire, fire, what do we call you now? Fire. Firefighters. Fire, oh, firefighters. <laughs> I was going to say a fireman. <laughs> I'm trying to be good. <laughs> so fire people. Um, yeah. But they love, the kids love seeing uniform. And I know Wendy has been there several times. I'm going to get Jason on board. Um, Chief McDonald has been there as well. Um, actually, Sheriff McDonald, when I had my radio show when we were doing COVID, these people not only do their dangerous jobs, they're there for the community to bring us together. Um, being a judge for my dog, you know, decorate, uh, not decorate, but uh, Halloween costumes, <laughs> you know. So they deserve to be in a place that, you know, is that will keep their morale up and safe. That's what I think. When I saw in 2017, when I saw and the the architects talked about the dangers in the in that building in the fire department, especially, I, I'm nervous for our guys being in there. Chief Averos, when people on the street or stopping you or people come into the station and they ask you a question. I mean, we're asking you questions. What question are they asking you, the typical resident? You know, I have had questions about the response times and how mm-hmm. the, what the impact is is going to be on the response times. I actually had someone come in yesterday who wanted a tour of the station, and, you know, I, I'm not sure where he stood before that, but after he got to see the entire station and the things that we were talking mm-hmm. about, you know, he was, he was 100%. There's nothing we can do to save this station, and, you know, we need to move forward and, and build something so, for it. Sort of like the old tell and ain't sell and show and is. Exactly. Right, yeah, where people can get it and see it. Sure, we've invited anyone who wants to come by for a tour, absolutely. Okay, Wendy Lapierre. When people are asking you at the police station, well, what? I've got a question about this proposed project. What are they asking you? The statement that I get the most is, "I can't believe that um, you've been in these conditions for so long." I've worked for the department for 25 years, and really nothing has changed, except mm-hmm. we've acquired more equipment, and it makes it look more crowded. And obviously, we have more people, um, but people, most of the people that I've spoken to, are in favor of this, and believe that 
um, that Pembroke is deserving of a new public safety building. Absolutely, and Sheriff McDonald, again, you, you get to see the insides of all these local police and fire stations in town, and, and you knew that this was an important issue in Pembroke. I know it's a very important issue in the town of Pembroke. It's it, the, the positives from doing this project, uh, you know, aside from the cost, I, I, there are too many to list, because the, it's not just the morale, but the response times, uh, getting everything up to what is now a safe standard, as I've identified, I think there are certain public health issues that might manifest themselves in the workers that mm -hmm. are there. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it it only takes one of these bad things to happen to have a multi-million dollar lawsuit on your hands. So the cost of doing this, aside from all of the positive benefits that the you know property values will go up and things, for the town, the cost of not doing it. Is, is far in excess of actually doing it. So I think people need to look at it that way. It's like driving a car, you know? You can drive a car and you can fix it and you can fix it and you can mm -hmm. fix it and there comes a time when your mechanic walks out and just shakes his head and says no. It's time, and it's that's time where, to make a change. Where we right. were there 10 years ago. Well, you know what? You've all had some great comments today and not only is this going to, you know, this is Sharon McNamara's show, but we are going to put this forum up on our um, on our website too so people can listen to it news-wise. Uh, we're coming up to just a little bit at the end of our time. This has a, been a great uh, time to sit together and talk about this new proposed public safety police and fire building in Pembroke. And we've had Wendy LaPierre, the deputy police chief in Pembroke. We appreciate you joining us today. We've got Jason Viveros. Ooh, ding dong. Mm -hmm. got Jason Viveros, the fire chief in Pembroke, Joe McDonald, Plymouth County Sheriff, and Sharon McMurray, this is your show, so you've yeah. got the final say. You know, um, I just want to put my phone number out there because mm -hmm. I know that there was a person that had some concerns, and um, Tracy Marino, uh, who's one of our select board members, mm -hmm. I, she called me about it, and I said, please give him my cell phone number, and I did have a nice hour-long conversation with him. If you have any questions for me, I'm happy to take those questions. I'm going to give you my cell phone, 781-294-4848. Uh, uh, you know that I know the sheriff and uh, the police department, so no creepers. No. <laughs> um, but the other thing, too, is we do have some signs. Uh, we did get some more signs. Uh, so if you do want a sign, uh, Boston Connect Real Estate is located right in Pembroke Center. I asked them to leave a bunch of them on the porch. Feel free to go up there. Um, if you know me and you then you're my friend. You know where I live. You can go. I have some sitting um, by my garage as well. Do you mean, is there a website or a Facebook page people can go to and find out more details? They can go right to the Town of Pembroke website and all the information is there under the Pembroke Public Safety Building Committee. So you'll find everything there and go on to Pembroke Connect because we've been posting a lot of uh, different things there. Please go to town meeting on Tuesday, 7 o'clock, and please go to vote and I, I hope we earned your vote. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for listening. Thank you, Christine. I can't, I appreciate you so much. You're very, you're very welcome. This was fun. I liked it. <laughs>